1: Learn more at aarp.org skills. In recent weeks, we've really focused on some ways that listeners can boost their income. Uh, so whether that's through starting your own side business and growing your network like Holla talked about, or when we talked with local realtor Alan about diving into investing in real estate, well... What better way to test the waters? While you are away, your home could also earn extra income. That's right.
0: Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you're traveling because that's all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think, and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host.
2: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
0: Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today we're talking AI tax help, lawless libraries, and mortgaged forevermore.
1: Yeah, Everlasting Mortgages. That's what this makes... Forevermore makes me think of Everlasting... Was it Gobstoppers? Oh, yeah. Did you ever eat that candy? I like those
0: candies, and Willy Wonka still remains the original one, one of my favorite movies.
1: I consistently would put it in my mouth, enjoy it for like 10 seconds, and then bite down on it, and (laughs) like crack my, you know, yeah, (laughs) completely rock my jaw. Have to go to the dentist. Luckily, I never did uh, crack any teeth. But this is our Friday flight, and we're going to cover some of the most pertinent headlines that we came across this week, the ones that we think that you should be paying attention to. And I don't want to give away the punchline, Joel, but you got something in the mail recently. Yes, I did. So Uh, this actually ties back to a story we talked about on the Friday flight, I don't know, a month ago. Was it a month ago? And things
0: things are getting worse in the realm of getting a passport. Passports. Yes. So we're we, we've about. talked multiple times about this, how actually now you can file for renewal online to get a passport, which makes it so much easier, it sucks up less of your time. Uh, but wait times are getting longer and longer and longer to get your passport. I actually submitted in mine in January before those wait times increased, but I still experienced much longer than average uh, wait times. And so... As in, you weren't sure if you're going to get your passport right in time for us to, well, to travel. Because even just... Next month. Still last week uh, on the site, when you logged in to get your status, it still showed... Nope. Received. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, wait, it's been like 10 weeks and it still yeah. says It doesn't even see, say being processed. Mm-hmm. So I was worried. I reached out to, and this is something I want to let everyone know that you can do if you're having issues with your passport, my local congressperson Mm -hmm. and they have literally people on staff who can help check in on the status and reach out to the state department on your behalf so if you have submitted for a passport even if let's say you didn't do it in enough time i did i left plenty of time there was still just nothing being done on that front so i reached out proactively just to kind of get the ball rolling it's a worth uh, filling out they even have sometimes on their site literally a form you fill out you submit to them because they know
1: that folks yeah. are looking to their local legislator their yeah. local representative to, to be able to handle that it's
0: one of their main constituent yeah. services it's like
1: one of the, that they provide one of the few things well you can you can like go on tours and stuff of you know their office and right well if you're interested in that kind of thing not my thing <laughs> <laughs> although I might go up there just to give a hearty handshake and thank you but
0: yeah um, so that was really really nice you them. should. they got the ball rolling and I've got it in plenty of time because we still don't leave for a few more weeks weeks. Yeah. But it's one of those things, man. It's just like that you got that little cloud hanging over your head, mm-hmm. pig pen style, and you're just kind of like freaking <laughs> out. Am I going to get it? Uh, because it's ah, that's an important thing. You can't leave the country. You waste those plane tickets if you don't get it in time. Just another word to the wise. If you're like, oh, I think I might want to internationally travel at some point in the future, check your passport, see if it's expired. If it's expiring anytime in the near future, get the ball rolling. Give yourself, I don't know, three months probably. Yeah. Uh, months and months
1: worth of time. And yeah. it makes sense because folks are not spending money anymore on consumer goods. They're spending them on services and the demand for travel has increased significantly this year and that is also leading to folks needing to renew their passports. Mm-hmm. So by the way if you don't know who your local uh, local representative is like I I didn't once we moved because we've only lived here for for not yeah, not that I'd look a, it up too for, <laughs> for not all that long. Uh, but the government actually has a really like a surprisingly easy to use good website where you just punch in your area code and they're like here he is. Here she is. And here's their website. <laughs> yeah. So we can, we'll can we make sure to link to that in the show notes. Uh, but yeah, Joel, this is our Friday flight. And let's go ahead and tackle those headlines. And I feel like every other headline that we come across is pertaining to AI. Oh, to my gosh. Artificial intelligence. AI overkill. Right now. It, uh, it might be coming to help with uh, your taxes as well. TurboTax, they are saying that they have implemented AI to help a, <laughs> a small segment of folks to fill out their taxes faster. <laughs> um, it's, it's only available to you know for folks with the most basic of returns that take very little time to complete anyway. So I'm actually not sure if this is just marketing hype, which I think it is. Uh, But, you know, I feel like AI is going to intersect with how we handle our money more and more in the future. This Mm -hmm. sort of seems like low-hanging fruit where essentially they're quote-unquote using this AI basically as a glorified chatbot. So it kind of seems unnecessary. It, It seems like it's causing waves all over the place, though, in, in all the different areas, including getting information wrong. Uh, There's like a... Is, is it a mayor down in Australia? Oh, that yeah. the The <laughs> ChatGPT, or whichever model it was, said that he was involved in a scandal. When, in fact, he was like the whistleblower. He was the one that actually called it out as opposed to being someone who's implicated.
0: Yeah. So we're going to find problem.
1: out whether or not you can sue artificial intelligence
0: for defamation pretty soon. Yeah. But <laughs> it is, I mean, it is interesting to see just how invasive AI is becoming. And there are a lot of people that are really worried about that. And then, you know, we talked about not too long ago, just the fact that AI gets things wrong, just like it did with this Australian mayor. And how if you ask AI a question, ch- ask Chat GPT a question, it's like pretty amazing on a lot of fronts. Sadly, it's not up to date on the newest and latest for everything. And so you have to be careful. You have to take it with a grain of advice. If you're going to it with a money question, it might spit you out something awesome, but it might give you inaccurate information too. So be careful when you're using AI still. But yeah, I'm curious to see what it holds for our future. I'm sure you and I will be talking about it more and more on the show. But uh, on the subject of taxes, Matt, since you were just talking about that, the Wall Street Journal highlighted a little known way to lower your tax liability, which... I thought was important to mention here. It's not something we've really talked much about on the show. I'm not sure if most people know that there's a 0% capital gains tax on investment income up to a specific earnings threshold. That rate is available basically to individuals who make less than $44,625 a year and joint filers who make $89,250 in 2023 specifically. And basically, if you sell investments that have risen in value, but your AGI stays underneath the threshold, you don't owe any tax on the gain. And so if you make more uh, than that, you suddenly enter into the 15% capital gains tax bracket. If you're a super high income earner, you could owe even more like 20%. But low earning years can be a great time for things like Roth conversions or to sell certain assets in taxable accounts to minimize taxation. It just It's worth pointing out since tax day uh, is basically beginning of next week. There are all sorts of creative ways to lower your tax bill, and this is just kind of one other tool you can add into your arsenal. That's right.
1: Yeah, all hope is not lost if you have realized some gains yeah. from your investments. Uh let's talk about the local library, because we've all gotten more and more used to using digital media. Uh, it's particularly true of how it is that we interact with the library. Our family goes in person, largely for the kids. They like checking out their books and setting it your kids use like the digital scanner. Oh, yeah. I don't know how it works. The scanner's awesome. Like literally you just set it under there and somehow it knows what book it is. Well, you can <laughs> stick a whole stack of books at one time and, and it, it'll register it, all of them. Yes,
0: it's it impressive. It blows my mind. Well, I will say going in person to the library is is great for a few reasons. There's even great like educational games, but just walking around, seeing all the books and it's just a, a nice environment to be in. It's a
1: to, fun experience. It's, a, it's an outing as opposed yeah, to yeah, <laughs> Especially a
0: rainy weekend afternoon. Yes. Like that's the place to go.
1: Yeah, but uh, I know like you meet both, like we are reading more e-books. We're listening to audiobooks specifically via the Libby app almost exclusively. I use the Hoopla app as well because sometimes there are some titles that aren't on Libby that I find on Hoopla. But a new court ruling, if it's not actually overturned via appeal, it's going to make it more difficult and more expensive for libraries to be able to disseminate their digital media, their e-books, their audiobooks. Basically, libraries wanted the ability to digitize physical books that they currently have in printed form instead of buying more expensive, newer digital editions that they actually don't even buy, that they're technically renting for yeah. in a lot of like period of time yeah which yeah. sucks yeah it's not even least to own it's like <laughs> it's uh and so the court said that this would harm publishers and they uh, they put the kibosh on this tactic and specifically like what seems crappy about it is the fact that it was uh they sued is it the internet archive because they were essentially renting out multiple copies of the one printed form that they had and so for a while there it seemed like they were operating under this like little known rule where it's just like, okay, yeah, you have it one digitized, digitized copy of the physical copy that you have. Maybe we'll let that slide, but then they started loaning out multiple copies, and mm-hmm. that's basically where lawless libraries will no longer be able to operate. Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to have rules. You that's know? right.
0: It's yeah. not the wild west. Even libraries can't get to whatever <laughs> they want. But yeah, I'm, I'm not a lawyer or anything like like that. You, Matt, you aren't. You aren't either. And so I don't really know necessarily the finer points of this case. But I mean, as somebody who's kind of a library lover, library advocate. And guys, we just really like the role that libraries play in our communities, right? So it it sucks. It sucks to see this because the prices are mounting for libraries, largely because the the digital rights to many of these titles are just a lot more expensive. And like you said, you're leasing, you're not owning if you're a library. And so even as most library systems have been spending more and more on eBooks and audiobooks, they just can't keep up with the band. That's why the wait for the newest David Sedaris book that I finally just got in my hands was like 18 weeks, right? I mean, it just takes a long time. (laughs) So it's frustrating from that standpoint, but it also is kind of part of the deal. If you want to save money, you got to wait for that stuff That's oftentimes. True. But this ruling really only ensures that library budgets are going to continue to be constrained and that they won't be able to provide enough digital resources for their patrons. So I hate to see that. By the way, on the library front, the OverDrive app is shutting down on May 1st. Matt, you mentioned Hoopla. We've talked about Libby. Those are two of our favorite library apps. But if you are an OverDrive user, it's going to be shut down pretty soon. And so just switch over to Libby, make sure you download that, stick in your- I didn't even know the login. Login.
1: Still available, for, yeah. uh, out there. But evidently, yeah, Overdrive was like the granddaddy, yeah, to, to Libby. But I think a lot basically. of
0: people just never moved over,
1: and so if you're still using Overdrive, like, well, you won't be able to too soon. Yeah. Well, by the way, one other random tidbit of library information, but you can pay to join other library systems, even if you don't actually live there. Uh, the Times kind of talked about some of the additional benefits that come with joining your local library, but you can also join. Non-local libraries as well, Uh, like the Houston and the Queens public libraries, they let you pay forty dollars, fifty bucks, respectively. So I'm not sure if they've got more digital content available, but if they do, it actually might be worth the additional cost. But at the same time, this—I mean—it's kind of a slippery slope when it comes to finding content because it's not solving the problem with your local library. Because if that dries up, and like you said, the ability to go there in person, it doesn't necessarily solve that problem mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it looks like this pay for service which is something that we could do anyway when it comes to <laughs> joining audible or yeah. the many different other ways that we can acquire media uh with, within our lives well it's
0: but probably worth mentioning too that if you if you want to be able to get those books more quickly getting physical books from your library probably makes sense because fewer and fewer fewer people are doing that more people are opting for the digital gotta, versions got a zig when other folks are so zagging man maybe if i had gone for the physical copy i could have got my <laughs> david sedaris book in a week or so that's true but i went i wanted the audiobook and so it took me a lot longer, but I will well, say his because audiobooks are better he able to hear him them. read it is, yeah. is like half of the joy. <laughs> it is. It is. But um, if you're looking for other ones, not, not being read by someone awesome like that, then yeah, you go for the physical copy if you want to get it more quickly. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. I'll, I'll give one more argument too that. I came across, uh, for, publishers essentially not being so hard on libraries is because like the argument can be made that, well, the publishers are just protecting their bottom line, right? By folks going to the libraries, it eats into their profits. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's kind of a, it's it's essentially a nearsighted move because if they're only looking at how much money they're going to make this year and they're limiting the number of books that libraries have access to, they are limiting the future generations of readers that are going to potentially actually buy books in the yeah. future. Right? Well, a lot of times I'll get a book if I love it, then I'll buy it after the fact. Yeah. And so I, I do think you're
0: right. I think they're being short-sighted to a certain degree. We want to
1: be able to foster the love of reading yeah. in our kids, basically, is, is I guess what I'm what I'm getting at. Yep. And that's definitely an argument that could be made.
0: Yep. It's kind of like that
1: freemium business model. I'll give it to them for free a little bit, and then they'll buy more books in the long run. <laughs> exactly.
0: Um, all right. Let's talk about eating out for a quick second, because I, I, sometimes the simple places to save are ones what we often overlook. And there was this interesting article in The Motley Fool about how much a kid's meal can cost at certain restaurants. Matt, I know you are keenly aware of this, too, because you have four children. I have three. And so when you go out to eat with kids, it just changes the ballgame. Depending on where you go, the bill can skyrocket
1: based on how much we're we're paying for kids' meals. It makes me think – okay, so you said how it just changes the game. It makes me think of the difference between a vacation and going on a trip with your family. Because, like, when you don't have kids – anytime you go on a trip it's a vacation yeah but when you go with kids it's a trip and it takes work that's that's what it's like when you go out to eat like <laughs> because yep. when you don't have kids and you go out to eat it's it's fun basically no matter what but it's you yeah, know there's there's not only does it cost a lot of money but it's a lot of work in right order to, to go out go out to eat with no kids. it is so you think twice
0: before you take the whole family out on yeah. multiple uh, for multiple reasons <laughs> but and i think the other thing you have to do is you have to crunch the numbers uh every time you go out, depending on where you're going and depending on what the kids meals like the list price for those kids meals is. And it makes me think like we went out uh, to, on, on Easter Sunday, we went out to Waffle House and we split two all-star breakfasts between all five of us. Like a true American. Like a true American. The in the South. South. That's right. <laughs> exactly. But if you have kids, I think it's important to rethink the default assumption that the kids meal is going to be the best value That's for true. for your, di- especially if you have a couple of kids, They maybe having them split an adult entree that is a few dollars more will actually come out to your benefit in the long run uh the, sometimes those kids meals are they're chintzy on the amount of food that comes with it and they come with like uh some sort of pre-packaged drink and so the price yeah. does get up to eight nine ten dollars there's one uh, barbecue restaurant i'm thinking of in town matt that the kids meals are twelve dollars and they weren't nearly as big as the adult entrees which were like 14 and so uh, they came with like a cookie and a lemonade or something like that but we're like, we just want to do waters and so split mm-hmm. the adult entree you end up saving a good bit of money i just think it's worth mentioning it's worth folks thinking about
1: yeah Plus, there's sort of like a cultural impact, too, of challenging your kids to eat potentially food that wasn't 100% geared towards them. That isn't in like the shape of a dinosaur or something. (laughs) Exactly. Um, I think there's a lot of parents who might be thinking, well, my kid's not going to eat like the normal food, like they need the kid's meal. But I mean, if you don't challenge them to kind of rise up to the occasion, I don't think they're they're, they're never going to grow into that as opposed to you sort of setting that as something that you would like to see them grow into, I guess.
0: Again, sometimes it's the same food, but it's just a much smaller portion and you're getting ripped off. Off, but you're buying it because it's the kids' meal. Just because it's labeled that way doesn't yeah. mean that you need to get it for your kids.
1: On, on the fast food note, I want to get your take here. I saw a tweet uh, recently castigating fast food restaurants for hiring "quote unquote" minor children. Uh, this was, I think, they're going after a Chick fil A. Uh, they're hiring kids for fifteen dollars an hour. What are your What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that? 14 and 15 year olds should be allowed to work fast food or not? I mean, I did when I was that age. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> I I figured that would be your answer. Yeah. Well, in my what I started out was, was not $15 an hour it was $5.15 an hour. So uh, I... Back in my day. I, yes. Exactly right. How That dates me for sure. But I think it's actually, uh, I'm surprised at that person's take because I think um, yeah, working it as... It feels like
1: an incredibly privileged take. I mean, I don't want to, to like say eight that, year olds like. in the mines or anything like that but to be 15... Un- un- unhealthy conditions. Right, right. But I think
0: 15-year-olds working in fast food is a good learning environment, Make some side cash, and what better way for kids to learn about money than to actually make some of it and then either make mistakes or learn how to do the right thing with it with money that's theirs because they earned it.
1: Well, and plus, yes, give them the option. I'm glad it's just available there for kids. Like, this this doesn't mean that all kids who are, once you turn 14, you have to start working uh, a full-time... You do if you live under my roof, Matt. (laughs) ...part-time job outside of the house, but I really do like the fact that that exists exists for the families and for the kids out there who might want to do something yeah, like that.
0: I learned a lot of responsibility working at age 14, 15. And it's a different kind of interaction you have with a direct manager, a supervisor, yeah. than with your teacher at school. And so it's definitely, te- you got to show up on time. I I learned about being two minutes late and how that's a big deal, you know? And so mm-hmm. there were all sorts of... Did you get your pay docked? <laughs> no, fortunately not. Well, but like... You lost, the, your, lost your free drink? You get that talking to, man. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's helpful to, there's just so many different things you learn working in a real work environment. And I know some people would say, well, they've got the rest of their lives to work. Yes. But just a few hours a week. It's a great way to start. Yeah, is a great way to start. You don't need to, you don't need to, like, they don't need to be working 20 hours a week when they're juniors in high school, I don't think. But, but you know, a, a 10-hour-a-week job for some side uh, income and to learn some yeah important life lessons, I think, can be good.
1: Yeah. One other quick, small thing. Did you see that, uh, uh, Sam's? So everyone knows we're big Costco fans. Yeah. But uh, Sam's Club, they're offering their membership for a year. For ten bucks, if you if you you join between now and I think next Wednesday. What what are your thoughts? Are I you, mean, you gonna join? I think I probably will. Ten bucks? Really? Why not? I mean, well, they, for us it's further, but actually it's probably closer to y'all's place. Yeah, I wondered how for often us we're for, yeah. I we're was thinking to it's Costco. worth it
0: just because when I drive by there and their gas prices are are the cheapest around. That depending on where I'm, are at, they? I might fill up there. I mean, they're oh, about yeah. as cheap as Costco, if, if right? They are. But um, we he never was, we never drive past that Sam's. Well, so. I, so just anybody out there who's like, oh, I've been thinking about joining Sam's, but I don't want to work hey, over the fifty-five bucks or they whatever. Got, they got hot dogs too, right? Yeah. they they (laughs) They do, but it's only 10 bucks right now for the next few days. But I'll also say this. I don't think Sam's has the same uh, cancellation policy on a membership as Costco does exactly. But if you join Costco and you're like, I just don't know if it's gonna be worth 60 bucks. Well, the great thing is, if it's not worth 60 bucks to you, if you don't get enough value from it, They'll give you your money back. So mm-hmm. I, I that's just... It's great that Sam's is offering $10 memberships. And I think if you're interested, this is a great time to kind of join a warehouse club ten, and ten see, is see not, what you
1: think. It's not all that much money. Yeah,
0: it's like low table stakes for sure. But it's also important to note that, yeah, you can join Costco too. And you can always get that money back if you hate it, which if you hate it, send me an email. I'd love to hear why, (laughs) because I love it. But uh, Matt, we've got more to get to on this episode, including a new mortgage product that could be really dangerous for a lot of people. We'll discuss right after this. AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way.
1: Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So, it's safe to say, it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, your health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org wisefriend. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash howtomoney for an extended 30-day free trial. We are back, and as everyone knows, it is now time for the ludicrous headline of the week. This one actually comes from listener Richard. Thank you for sending that one our our way, Richard. Uh, But this is from moneywise.com, and the headline reads, Rich young Americans have lost confidence in the stock market and are betting on these assets instead. <laughs> <laughs> the, the gist of this article is that millennials have given up on investing in stocks, which is just not true. But aside from that, my, my, honestly, the, the biggest problem with this piece, and I don't, I'm not, Richard, he didn't mention this, uh, is that it's a sponsored article. This is a sponsored piece of content that does a terrible job of telling you that. Basically, all the strat- strategies that are mentioned, first of all, they're, they're ones that we're not in favor of, like investing in art investing in crypto private equity that kind of stuff but at the end of the article readers are are pushed towards the article sponsor and what looks like the last paragraph of the article itself it's not highlighted it's not in a different color it's just like off to the margin it's like sponsored uh-huh. <laughs> and so not only are the are these tactics suspect in and of themselves so is the lack of transparency uh, we actually talked about this in episode 446 we talked about alternative investments we talked about investing in whiskey and farmland and all the different you know alternative options that are out there and while we're not necessarily going to hate on you if that's something you want to dabble in we First of all, only do it with a very small percentage of your overall portfolio, 5% or less. But you you need to make sure that you are taking care of the basics first, like making sure that you're investing within a work-sponsored account, particularly if you've got a match. you got to get those tax-advantaged accounts filled first.
0: Yep. Yeah. And we talked about all sorts of things. We talked about digital art, all that kind of stuff. There's so many ways and different cutesy, cutesy websites and stuff like that that make it kind of seem interesting and fun to invest. And not because we're uh, sticking the muds, but we don't think investing should be fun. <laughs> we think investing should make you money. It and should so, be boring. Yeah, who cares yeah. if it's adorable? Um, if you can, it, it, it doesn't matter. It's like what's going to actually move the needle for you when it comes to building wealth. A lot of these alternative investments aren't great. And by the way, I think, yeah, Matt, that the fact that that piece was sponsored and be, it was so hard to tell and it was pushing you towards all these other things. You just have to be careful what you're reading on the internet and what sources you choose to trust. So that the name. I mean, that site was money-wise. It sure seems like you should be able to trust a site like that. Seems legit. Yeah, but it, <laughs> as it turns out, no, not necessarily. But uh, let's quickly touch on a new survey. This one's from Pew Research, and they found that both men and women are pretty averse to negotiating to get paid more when they receive a job offer. I was bummed out when I saw this, Matt, especially
1: because it's also not surprising. Yeah, right? it's not like, surprising. I feel like we are when it comes to face to face real life interactions. I feel like we are only becoming more hesitant to, to advocate for ourselves. Yeah.
0: Well, and we just had Alex Carter on the show in episode 649, where she's kind of a negotiating junkie. And she talked all about how to make more money when negotiating. She had some great Thoughts, some great tactics for people to take, but there's just no reason not to ask for more when you get a job offer. There's always something you can ask for. Alex mentioned, like it's not just money; it can be other things too. But money is a big one, right? And a lot of people should ask for more. It was something like 58% of men and 61% of women don't ask for more when they're presented with a job offer. They just say thank you and they take the job. And that's that's only 40% of people pushing back, asking for more at the moment of impact when you can when you have the greatest ability to influence paychecks for potentially years to come. I
1: don't like seeing this, and I hope at least How to Money listeners, or most How to Money listeners, aren't falling into this camp. Hopefully, our listeners are not leaving money on the table. Joel, uh, we're talking about travel, you and I, in our eyes. We booked some flights not too long ago. Well, Google, they've got a new feature that might help folks to feel a little less stressed when booking a flight, uh, and it can save you money as well. They've got this new, uh, this is basically like a price guarantee feature which if you book through Google, this guarantees that you're getting the lowest price and not just in the moment, like (laughs) at the time, obviously, most folks are going to be looking at the lowest price, but it protects you from price drops after you actually book the ticket, which is pretty stinking cool. Currently, it's only with Alaskan Airlines, Hawaiian Airlines and Spirit. Spirit's going to be our 51st state (laughs) uh, (laughs) in addition to Hawaii and Alaska. But we'll see if there are any additional airlines that come on board. But I think this this is great because it basically Google's introducing some more competition and hopefully we will see other airlines implement different features like this. If you, you know, whether or not you book directly with them yeah. or not. Yeah. You'll see a little badge uh,
0: with a with a dollar sign in it. That's like multicolored. Yep, And then it's got the it, Google colors. Yeah. And if you book that flight, then, and the price goes down after the fact, you will get a notification from Google. Well, you have to finish the booking through Google's system, by the way, you can't go off to a third party site and book elsewhere. You have to do it through Google, but then you'll get a notification from Google saying, Hey, hey, we just refunded money to your account because we're honoring that price guarantee. So I love seeing that. And it's pretty cool. And I'm hoping that this like, yeah, spurs more competition and saves people a lot of money. Matt, let's talk about mortgages for a second because... Everlasting mortgage, uh, Yeah, there have been some headlines floating around that probably confused a lot of people. It confused me initially, I'll admit, when I was kind of looking into it. And that is headlines floating around about 40-year mortgages mm-hmm. and those becoming a new reality. The FHA has approved new 40-year mortgage rules. And this might excite a lot of our listeners because they might say, hey, listen, um, housing affordability has gotten out of whack. Yeah, if I can extend that payment out over, over 40 years, that might help me be able to Actually, finally, be able to purchase the house I'm hoping for, but a couple things on that front. One, not so fast. Uh, Forty-year mortgages, like the the what they have been approved for, is for loan modifications for people who are potentially going to file for foreclosure. So, instead, who are facing financial hardship. Yeah. So, if they're having a hard time and foreclosure seems to be the only option, a modification extending the loan terms is one of those possible outs for those people. But it's not something like that you can just do as a as a home buyer or a homeowner refinancing into a 40-year mortgage or opting for a 40-year over a 15 or 30 year, right? So just know when you're reading those headlines and you're seeing FHA approves 40-year mortgages, that doesn't really tell the full story. And even if it did, let's say 40-year mortgages are coming in vogue and maybe they, they are going to start to become normal. It's not something we would be... Uh, Excited about because then we're talking about people extending payments over a much longer timeline, yeah. but not really an entirely, yeah, not really an lowering
1: decade, basically. yeah, but not really <laughs> lowering those monthly payments a whole
0: lot and paying a whole lot of
1: extra interest in the process. Yeah, I mean, essentially, it's, it's real similar to like those 96 month car loans that we often talk trash about. Right? Like, like Just because there's a lender out there who will give you a loan like this, it doesn't mean that you should sign yourself up. And I think there might be a number of folks who see the headlines and they end up going to one of these, like you can get a 40 year, but it, it is with a, a non-QM lender. So it's a non-qualified mortgage. And what that means is oftentimes you're going to be facing much higher underwriting fees. They're going to charge you a higher interest rate, which ultimately means that this should not be a product that you should be signing up for if that's what it takes in order for you to get a, a house that you're mm-hmm. interested in. But then on top of that, I mean, for folks who would go that path, I mean, they're suffering all the while because of the fact that they're not hardly paying anything down towards principal. Uh, But also, if they end up selling the the property, like after five or six years, they're going to find themselves having to bring money to the closing table because they haven't been able to add any equity to that actual property. Mm -hmm. like. All in all, this is like a just a, a lose lose sort of situation, and we do not want you to l- look into these forty year mortgages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> really,
0: the only person this makes sense for is that person facing foreclosure, and this is the only way for them to stay in the home, right? Exactly. And and hopefully for most of our listeners, that's not the case, right? Uh, because of what's been happening with home values over the past few years, even though they've gone down just a touch in some parts of the country.
1: Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about some car stuff. Let's talk about some worthless warranties, because the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, they've issued a warning about extended car warranties that are issued by third-party companies, First of all, we've never liked these things, like ever. (laughs) We'd rather see you self insure than actually pay for an extended warranty, even if it's written by the actual manufacturer of your vehicle. Uh, But the third-party company warranties are even worse. Uh, They claim to offer full vehicle protection but they have a litany of exceptions and different excuses when you actually try to file a claim. They, they kind of remind me of the, the home warranty companies that are out there. They, yeah, for sure. They, they sound so great in theory, but in reality, they're pretty awful. And so if you're thinking about buying an extended warranty on your vehicle, on your ride, think again and consider holding onto your money to pay for repairs that might come along out of pocket, keep that money in a high yield savings account where it's going to earn interest, that is a way that you avoid the warranties and essentially self-insure. Yeah. And those car warranties can often, you are often charged
0: thousands and thousands of dollars, but especially when you sign up for those third party warranties, they're not worth a penny. And so it's just, you're forking over a lot of money that you could have otherwise used to insure yourself against potential damage to the vehicle. Matt, uh, speaking of cars, we talked about EV tax credits on Wednesday and how a lot of them are set to go away on new electric vehicles. This weekend, this is your last chance <laughs> right. to... Which might be hard.
1: <laughs> to buy an EV if you were already planning to do it.
0: Yeah, it might be hard to actually pull the trigger though. I saw our friend Carl, Mr. 1500 just bought one of those Chevy Bolt EVs, which we've talked about as being like one of the best possible purchases because they're like the cheapest EV Dude, I'd drive that on thing the planet. Around. And then they're basically like 20 grand after the tax credit. Mm. But when that tax credit goes away, they're going to be more expensive. But I think it took him something like six months to actually get the car in hand from the start of that purchase process. So it's unlikely that you're going to be able to get it done this weekend. But also we talked about how they're probably going to be back in a couple of years. Uh, but one concern that many potential EV adopters have is that their EV battery might go kaput. And I guess uh, the question is, should they be worried? Well, uh, a new study says not really, because it's hard, uh, even though it's hard to get robust data on this topic, out of a study of fifteen thousand electric vehicles, only one and a half percent have needed a battery replacement. Mm-hmm. And the, those are decent odds. Yeah, that seems like it's it, you know, not terribly risky. I mean, the study also found that a range range drop off wasn't a major factor. I think some people are worried that if they buy something with two hundred fifty miles of range, it's going to have one hundred fifty miles of range in uh, a few years. Not the case. Like, there, yeah, there's been minor drop off, but nothing major. And of course, it's still just hard to know how long batteries are going to last once you pass the 100,000 mile threshold. But the preliminary evidence on battery life is mostly good. And so if you are on the fence about an EV, you might even be more on the fence now with this federal tax credit going away on a whole lot of these models. It, well, if the, the battery limitations had you worried, we would say you you probably don't need to be as worried on that front. And and if you want it, your battery to last longer and you don't want to see the range drop off significantly, a couple of tips, don't charge it to 100% every night and don't use fast chargers all that often. The more you can kind of trickle charge, essentially, the better off you're going to be, the better it's going to be on your battery. And actually, Matt, we're, we're going to talk more about car and home insurance next week on the show, largely because um, I've had some kerfuffles <laughs> lately in my life on both fronts. So uh, we will we'll discuss and, yep. and talk about my personal situation, but also give kind of some takeaways for all of you listeners out there when it, look, what it looks like to effectively buy and manage your car and home insurance. So look forward to that next Wednesday on the show. But Monday is going to be a listener questions episode. We'll see you back here then. That's right. Hope you have a great weekend. Until next time, best friends out.
1: Best friends out.
2: Mo Play.